0: Well, good morning mosaic how we doing awesome uh, my name is Zach Moreno um, I we've my wife and I and my kids have been attending mosaic for a couple months now uh, so it's just been good to um, be a part of the community here uh, that that God has been putting together and I've gotten to know pastor Eric uh, over the last handful of years um, my wife and Kristen have been in vsF together so we have some uh, good friendship that way and so when he asked me to come and preach, uh, I said no. Just kidding, no. Um, I, was, I was honored to, to be able to come and, and share God's word with you this morning. Um, and so uh, it's, it's always fun to uh, prepare uh, sharing God's word with uh, a group of people that you don't really know well. Uh, some people I know a little bit, and I'm still getting to know others. And so it's like, God, what do you want to share with, with the people who will be in the room this morning? Um, I don't know who's going to be here, and, and we don't know who's going to be here, but God knows, and so uh, it was just fun to, to be preparing and praying uh, as, as we think about this Advent season and celebrating Christ and uh, and his birth and his coming, and so uh, we're going to be continuing our focus on Christ and and how Christ is this light, Christ is this light, and he's a, a, a light uh, for the Jewish people, as we think about the story of Jesus, uh, we have to consider uh, the story of the Jewish people. And for the Jewish people, Christ was going to be a very, very bright light for them because they, were, they, had, they had gone through a very, very spiritually dark time uh, for a long time. And so uh, as Pastor Eric mentioned last week, uh, when Jesus came on the scene, uh, there had been about 400 years of silence between God and his people. Right, we had uh, in 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 the Old Testament, God spoke through the leaders such as Abraham, Moses, Joshua. You have the prophets, you have the judges. Um, God God would use all of these people to speak through them to His people to communicate a message, and then we have this period of silence for four hundred years. Isn't that incredible? Four hundred years. And so for 400 years, they would do the best they could to follow this law, to follow the ways that God had set up for them with radio silence from God. And then all of a sudden, uh, when we open up the book of Matthew and all of the gospels in this first century lifestyle, what we see uh, is this first century Jewish people living in a culture of, of uh, religious power, right? You had the Pharisees, you had the Sadducees, you had these religious leaders who would abuse their power, who would uh, basically put weights on these people spiritually. If you had to do this stuff, you had to live a certain way, they would add rules uh, to the Old Testament law and, and they would almost uh, be oppressive spiritually to these people. And then on top of that, they lived under the Roman rule. Do you think the Roman rule... Loved Jewish people who followed Jehovah, the one true God? Absolutely not. And so these these Jewish people living in first century, man, they they, they were bound under the oppression of their own spiritual leaders, and then they were under the oppression of the Roman rule because they decided that following the one true God was the most important thing for their life. I would say... I would venture to say, it was kind of a dark time for them. They they hadn't heard from God directly for 400 years. I mean, imagine for a second your best friend going on radio silence for 20 years. Like your best friends, your best friends, your best friends, you're talking, you're talking, you have this great relationship, and all of a sudden, in an instant, the next day, you don't hear from them for 20 years. How do you think that feels? Probably not great. And this is what happens. So here, as we open up the book of, of Matthew this morning, and we're also gonna look at Isaiah, we see the Jewish people in a very probably dark time, looking forward to the coming Messiah. The prophet Isaiah Isaiah 25 says this: it will be said on that day: Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. The promise here in this scripture is just pregnant with meaning and pregnant with power. And so we're going to unpack uh, this Isaiah passage in Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 25, to really discover this, that waiting for Christ brings light and deliverance. That's what we're looking at this morning. Waiting for Christ brings light and deliverance and deliverance, would you pray with me? God, I thank you for this opportunity to bring your word this morning. God, you spoke through real people in the history, in thousands and thousands of years ago, you spoke through real people to your people. And God, it is this day that, that you choose, God, you graciously choose through your word to speak to your people. So I pray this morning that, Lord, all of us would be able to hear and to listen and to obey the words that you have for us. Would it be clear, or would we get a clear picture of Christ this morning? In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. All right, so my first question is this, is why is waiting the hardest thing? Is anybody in here, like, does anybody struggle with waiting? Or is it just me? Okay, a couple hands, honest hands were like half like this. All right, I, I'll give that to you. Um, waiting's the hardest thing ever. I, I mean, you can ask my wife. I'm not a great waiter. Um, I mean, okay. So for example, I'm kind of a technology geek, uh, who likes technology. Okay, cool. Uh, now there's people who like technology and are technology geeks. So where are my technology geeks at? Okay, got one or two. Awesome. So I, I love technology. Uh, years ago, um, when I was 21, that seems like years ago it was. It's crazy how time flies. Uh, I was 21, first, starting my first job. I was a youth pastor for 12 years. Um, and so my first job in Waseca, Minnesota there, I had moved down, started. I was 21. I ordered the new white MacBook Pro, or the, the white MacBook, if you guys remember those. It was like the best thing ever. And I remember ordering it, and I just, I like, I was checking the shipping status and the tracking status obsessively, right? Because I could not wait for that thing to show up at my house and start playing around with it. It was sad. It was really sad how, like, I, I was impatient I was, right? But uh, I wanted it, like, now, right? I, any of you guys relate to that? Like, you want something just now? I mean, Amazon, that's why Amazon's so brilliant, right? I mean, Short of going to the store and literally buying it uh, and bringing it home, we like deals, right? You like to get the best deal, and Amazon has this perfect marriage of best deal, shortest amount of time, and married both, right? So you can get a really killer deal and it can literally be at your house the next day, or two days. And then, this is the funniest thing, when it doesn't show up in two days and it shows up in three days, are we happy? No, (laughs) Why we get on the phone with them, are you kidding me? Right? This is supposed to come up in two days, and this is the third day now, and I still don't have my discounted item. Right? And so we, there's this, there's something about wanting our stuff now. Okay, flip open to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. Check out these words. Now. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be a child from the Holy Spirit. Isn't it incredible that the first word that Matthew uses is now? Now, you may say, Zach, you're weird. That has, uh, why is that important? Okay? If you're a Jewish person and you've been waiting 400 years For this promised Messiah, this promised Savior, this promised King that was going to come and bring light and deliverance to your people. They were going to save you. And then Matthew writes, now, now is the time. This is how Jesus is born. I think there's something exciting about that. It's like this time stamp that that Matthew says, now, the time has come. This is how the Savior of the world is, is coming. Because they had been waiting for so, so long. Now, 400 years, like I said, is a long time to wait. I wonder why the Jewish people held on so long. What was the hope? Like, what, how could they do that? I mean, if we struggle with waiting for a couple days, how could they wait for 400 years? How could they have some still, some anticipation of this coming Messiah? And I believe it's this that they had a fantastic and beautiful picture of Jesus Christ. They had a fantastic and beautiful picture of the coming Messiah. And here's why I believe that to be true. Turn, put your finger in Matthew 1 and turn over to Isaiah chapter 25. It's 12 verses, and uh, we're going to read it together. I don't think it's up on the screen, so you guys have to take out your Bibles or on your phones, or you can just Listen. Here's Isaiah 25. O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name, for you have done wonderful things. Plans formed of old, faithful and sure. For you have made the city a heap, the fortified city a ruin. The foreigner's palace is a city no more. It will never be rebuilt. Therefore, strong peoples will glorify you. Cities of ruthless nations will fear you. For you have been a stronghold to the poor, a stronghold to the needy in his distress, a shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat. For the breath of the ruthless is like a storm against a wall, like heat in a dry place. You subdue the noise of the foreigners as heat by the shade of a cloud, so the song of the ruthless is put down. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, a rich food full of marrow and of aged wine well refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that casts over all the peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever and the Lord God will wipe away tears in all faces and the reproach of his people he will take away from the earth for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him that let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. For the hand of the Lord will rest on this mountain and Moab shall be trampled down in his place as straws trampled down in a dunghill. And he will spread out his hands in the midst of it as a swimmer spreads out his hands to swim. But the Lord will lay low his pompous pride together with the skill of his hands and the high fortifications of his walls he will bring down, lay low, and cast to the ground, to the dust. Do you hear the picture of who God is? Isn't that incredible? Notice, let's let's see who Isaiah describes this great God to be. Verse one, he's the provider of wonderful things. He's the faithful architect. Verse two, he's a deliverer. Verse three, he's worthy of glory. He's worthy of reverence. He's a stronghold. Verse 4, he's a shelter. Verse 5, he's a subduer. Verse 6, he's a banquet preparer. Don't you love that picture of God? As you think about like the, the Christmas season and Thanksgiving, and we love preparing meals, don't we? Big meals for family. God is a banquet prepared. He's going to provide a huge feast for his family. So it's okay to provide big meals for your family. He's a victor over darkness. He's a victor over death. He's a compassionate father. He's a savior. He's the victor over pride. Our Jewish brothers and sisters were not just waiting for some celebrity to show up in town where they could take a couple selfies with them and move on. That's not what the Jewish people were waiting for. The Jewish people were waiting for a God that was this incredible, incredible Savior, this incredible, incredible victor and compassionate Father. That's who they were waiting for. That's who they waited 400 years and now was coming into their lives in the form of Jesus Christ. And so the question that I asked about, um, you know, who is this Jesus? You know, who, who was he that they were looking forward to is kind of a trick question because I like to make it into a statement. After, I, after reading through this, after hearing this, I think we can have a statement, a promise from God. And here's the statement. I think it's up on screen. Ah, uh, the next one, yeah. Jesus Christ is the complete revelation of God and therefore is a complete redeemer for anyone who believes. Now, why do I use the words complete redeemer? Every title that was listed above, if you looked at it, if you really heard, it speaks to a human incompleteness. It speaks to a human lack. Where we lack, where we are incomplete, where we are striving and wanting and struggling, where we can't do it, guess who can? Jesus. Jesus is this complete redeemer for anyone who believes. And the prophet Isaiah, he experienced these attributes of God and believed that one day his people would experience them in a fullness never experienced before. And Matthew says, now the time has come for this to happen. Now the time has come for this Savior to be born, for this Redeemer to come into your world, for this light, for this deliverance to come. Now the time has come. And I believe that it was still probably really hard to wait. And, and, and they, the, the Jewish people knew about the prophet Isaiah, and the prophet Isaiah prophesying these things, and it was still a struggle to wait. And so how did the Jewish people learn to wait? I've been saying all morning, we need to you know, wait. Waiting's so important. How do we wait? How did the Jewish people learn to wait? I believe it's this, the faithfulness of God in the history of God's people. I believe the Jewish people had a history of God's faithfulness that they could look back in and go, look how faithful and powerful and divine God was to our brothers and sisters and our lineage. Look at this. We know that he will be faithful to deliver on his promise and send this Messiah to us. And so Isaiah and the people saw the faithfulness of God in the history of their people. I think, I, I believe today, Sitting here, 21st century America, we have a rich history of God's faithfulness to his people. And we could probably all share at least one person personally in our families. Maybe it's a grandparent, great-grandparent. Maybe it's a great 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 parent. I don't know. But you could probably share stories of God's faithfulness back in your family history and your family lineage. And then if we look at Christian history we could all probably share at least one person that we could point to and say, look how God used their lives to change the course of history for his kingdom. I just thought of a few that I want to share with you. I can't help but think of God's act of faithful deliverance in the life and the story of Corey Tembu. I mean, what an incredible, incredible, faithful picture of God working. I wanted to read this quote. Um, That I found. After her release from Ravensbrück concentration camp at age 53, Corey traveled all around the world to tell everyone that there was no pit so deep that God's love is still not deeper still, and that God will give us the love to be able to forgive our enemies. In more than 30 years, Corey visited over 60 countries to testify to God's love and to encourage people with the message that Jesus is Victor. On April 15th, 1983, on her 91st birthday, this remarkable woman died in Orange, California. Her legacy lives on more than 35 years after her death. I mean, talk about a, a, to be able to look back and see God's hand of faithfulness to his people. To shelter, to, to be a stronghold for Corey, to, to turn her literal house into a stronghold, of protection for the oppressed. And then to rescue her, to deliver her from such a wicked and evil thing, to then bring her to be a light for the people, for thousands and thousands of people, to be a light for every believer ever to come. We have a rich history of God's faithfulness. I look at Martin Luther. Martin Luther was a monk through who the influence of Augustine came to realize and believe that salvation in God was through faith alone. And he, and, and he was the, the main proponent of sola scriptura. Scripture alone is the authority for anything uh, of life and godliness, right? Learning what it means to believe and to follow Jesus is only found in the Bible. And God took Martin Luther and he, he delivered him into this light of the gospel where he would go on to post his 95 theses and he would go on to split from the Catholic Church and he would go on to start the Protestant Reformation that would now turn into bringing many, many into faith in Jesus alone, in Christ alone, and that the Bible is the sole authority for our lives. And the Bible is the only true source for how we get to know God personally. It doesn't take long to peek into the history of our Christian heritage and see the thousands of times that God has faithfully delivered his people for the sake of his divine purposes. And I would encourage you, I, I've never been a huge like church history buff. I've actually kind of neglected that part. And over the, the course of years and years, I've started to, appreciate that more and more because as we look at what God has done in the past, man, we see his faithfulness and we grow and we learn and we're challenged. So I'd encourage you, if you haven't got much into church history, I'm not saying pick up Augustine and start reading them, but pick up Augustine and start reading them. Or some, Because we can get a greater picture of God's faithfulness by as we look in the past of what he has done. And as we do that, we start to receive light and deliverance. As we start to learn to wait, as the Jewish people waited, we receive light and deliverance. So I wanna finish reading Matthew chapter one to wrap up our time together. The rest of the birth of Jesus. And her husband Joseph, being just a man and unwilling to put her to shame, And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. It's interesting that if we truly want to receive Christ, and and receive this light and deliverance, this saving, we need to learn the wait. And Joseph, we see a pretty clear picture of what it means to wait. I love this about Joseph. So Joseph was, he was going to divorce Mary quietly. Now, he was going to do something that wouldn't shame her, that wouldn't shame him, but do it quietly so things didn't get messy. But notice what he did. He considered these things. Now, when you consider something, what do you, what does that look like typically? I'm not asking you to respond right now. It's a rhetorical question. Right, but when you're in a consideration process, right, are you like rushing around, driving your car, doing stuff, picking up stuff, you know, work, at work doing stuff? Is that when you're really considering something deeply? Probably not. And if you're trying, you're probably doing a great job of really considering when you consider something, you're usually in a quieter place, maybe, or maybe you're driving your car by yourself. Uh, maybe it's to work; you have your radio off. Uh, maybe the kids are napping, and you you have like this thirty minutes of like you know silence, um, and, and and you're just considering, you're you're, you're thinking, you're, you're you're talking with God, you're, you're asking God questions, you're listening. I believe that's what Joseph was doing. He he was in this place of just. Waiting and considering and thinking and praying and going, God, what, what should I do? You see, Joseph didn't know where the baby came from. He just knew his fiance was pregnant. Wouldn't that be the position to be in? So his consideration to leave Mary was not a selfish one because we know it says, unwilling to put her to shame. He didn't want to shame his beloved. He didn't want to publicly shame her and actually possibly subject her to punishment by law. And so Joseph was considering these things and I believe as he was looking to back away from this relationship, he was gonna glorify God by doing this. Now you have to remember that back in their days, there was kind of some steps, right, to marriage. It was, betrothed, which is kind of an engaged situation. And then they had like the ceremony. And then to be officially recognized before God as a married couple, you had to be with each other sexually. That was the last step. And so Joseph and Mary, uh, they were betrothed. They were to, they were to be together but they had not yet consummated their marriage. So Joseph was actually following the written code given by God as to how to biblically handle a situation like this. He, and then he was choosing to love sacrificially his betrothed, his fiance, because he said, "I don't want to shame you. I don't want to put you subject to law and punishment." I'm going to step away from this, and and we're going to do this quietly. So Joseph was considering, he was pondering the right and godly way to go about this situation that was out of his control. I wonder if we have situations that are out of our control, things that happen to us that we just, they're out of our control, and we're in these binds, and we go, God, what, what in the world do you have going on here? How do we handle that? Are we good at waiting? Are we good at considering and pondering and praying and thinking and, and, and really seeking the Lord? God, what's most glorifying to you right now? What should I do? I think the battle is, is the waiting requires us to give up the now. We want things fixed now. We want things done our way now. We want answers now. And God says, wait and ponder, and consider, and pray, and ask, and seek me. That's what Joseph was doing. So waiting means we intentionally consider a lifestyle that points others to Jesus. You see, Joseph, in his waiting, in his seeking, he was, he was being an example of showing that God was the most important thing in his life. He wanted to obey the Lord. He wanted to seek the Lord. And so in our waiting, we actually point others to God. As we seek him. The second thing, though, is as we're looking at what does it mean to receive this light and deliverance? Uh, Joseph obeyed. Joseph was obedient. There's something about waiting and pondering and praying and going, God, what do you want? And then when God gives you an answer, what do you have to do? Obey. Do it. Joseph obeyed. He stayed with his woman, he stayed with her. He didn't have relations with her until after Jesus was born. Everything was done right and godly and through his obedience, God, through Joseph and Mary's obedience, allowed them to bring into the world the Savior. The light that we so desperately seek in our life, the deliverance that we so desperately seek in our life, the saving that we so desperately seek in our life and in the lives of other people around us. When we wait and when we obey, God will do it in his time, in his way. You see, God will bring the deliverance out of sickness in his time and in his way. You know what our job is? To wait and to obey. God will bring light and deliverance to your neighbors who need Jesus. You've been praying for them. You've been trying to be nice to them. You've been bringing meals to them. You, your kids have maybe been you know, playing with them and they just seem to have a wall that, that they don't want to let down their guard and you've been praying for them and you're starting to get frustrated and kind of maybe, God, what, wh- why can't we see them you know, really come to know Jesus? And you know what God's saying? He'll bring that light. He'll bring that deliverance. You need to wait and obey. That's what God's asking you to do. God will bring light and freedom to addictions, whether in your life or or maybe a good friend's life. He'll break the shame chains that, that allow us to receive the freedom of living in full acceptance and kindness of being a son or a daughter of Christ. He will bring that in his way, in his time. What's our responsibility? To wait and to obey. And that will come in God's timing and in God's way. And so this morning, we have a powerful picture of Jesus. We have a powerful promise that Jesus has come already. Jesus is coming back. And in this moment, that God is at work in our lives, bringing light, bringing deliverance. And he is just asking us as his children to wait and to obey. As we wait, we get to see a more beautiful picture of Jesus every day. Because we're pausing, we're seeking, and God will paint that picture of Jesus in your life that is undeniable. Irresistible. And the more that we see this picture, the more that we fall in love with who Jesus is, the more easy it is for us to obey. And as we're obeying, as we're, we're living out this picture of who Jesus is, and we're receiving light, and God is, is lighting up our life, God is delivering us, friends, that will flow out to the people in your life. And all of a sudden, your life will not just look like a bright city on a hill, delivering hope and freedom and deliverance. Oh, It's going to light up everyone else around you. And as a church, isn't that what we want? And we want our community to see the light and the deliverance of Jesus Christ? Can I get an amen on that? So that's why it's the best part of the season right now, celebrating the coming of our Messiah. And how do we do that the best? We wait and we obey and we get a beautiful picture of Jesus. God, thank you for your word. Um, I thank you for the way that you have worked in the people in the past, in your people, and God, you're working in our lives now. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to this earth. I pray that as we continue our celebration of you, that you would give us a greater picture of who you are. God, that you would teach us, you would help us to wait, to seek you, and to obey every day of our lives, that we can be, God, that light on a hill And that others, Lord, would see just how great you are. And this would be a great season of celebration. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.